0: Good afternoon everybody, I'm Dr. B. And today we're continuing our discussion about Kratom. Uh, We said we're going to do a series on this. On the first uh, part of the series, we had a little mini talk on Kratom. And then on the second, which is really the first part of the series, we talked about what is Kratom and we put it in a historical context and how basically works the pharmacology. Today, we want to talk about the question I got sent is uh, well, there's a couple more, but today I think we'll do kratom withdrawal uh, and what it's like. Please uh, join my mission in changing the perception of addiction together. We are here to educate, advocate for the f- substance abuse community. Uh, we fully feel that, but not by not just treating the addict, but changing the community and the greater perception of it. We can have an environment where recovery is possible. Long-term recovery is possible and we can make a better society for the individual and all of us. You can do that by clicking the subscribe button. You can click the bell, please. And if you need help or a loved one needs help, please call us at 1-800-779-4715. And uh, if we can't help you, we try to direct you to where you can get help to the best of our uh, capability. Okay, let's get started on Kratom. Uh, Today's topic that I'm going to address pretty quickly is, as I said, uh, kratom withdrawal. And the first uh, way the question is couched is, what are kratom withdrawal symptoms like? Okay, again, keep in mind, when I answer these questions, I do it in two ways. What is the literature? And when I say what is the literature, there's different grading systems for scientific literature and the kind of thing that I do. Uh, the best one being meta-analysis and double-blind studies, the lowest common denominator or the lowest form would be case studies, and even after that it's anecdotal evidence. As far as the high-end studies, we don't have much yet, so I can't tell you this is what you're supposed to do for this situation, but we have a large body of data and evidence that's coming in in addition to my own clinical experience, so the questions are answered in that regard. And so the first one, saying uh, what is kratom withdrawals like, uh, uh, symptoms uh, kratom withdrawal symptoms like, it essentially mimics opiate withdrawal symptoms. Now I'm not telling you uh, this is not based. It, it really depends on the frequency and length of use and different people. So the severity may be different for different people, depending on their clinical history. As you recall, I've always advocated for you that when people answer these questions, it really makes a difference. How old are you? What is your sex? What is your length of use? What are your other medical problems? But in general, the withdrawal symptoms that the literature states, and I have seen clinically, mimic acute opiate withdrawal symptoms. What are those? Sweating, muscle aches, uh, pain. There are psychological symptoms, including anxiety, restlessness, sleep disturbances. The literature seems to be consistent with this. My clinical experience appears to be consistent with it, with this. Uh, The next question I have is, what is the Kratom Detox Timeline? And before I uh, answer that, I'm gonna ac- actually answer the third question. How can you safely detox from kratom? Okay. Uh, again, uh, there doesn't seem to be, there is definitely not a set protocol. Okay. And how you approach it, I have reviewed multiple case studies in the literature of people going into the hospital in acute kratom withdrawal often the case seems to be the person read this as a natural remedy they started to taking it for one reason or another they may have been they may have been trying to withdraw from opiates they may have rheumatoid arthritis pain they may have gone to a support group you also see a lot of case studies and reports to poison control centers and admissions to psychiatric hospitals in places like malaysia so I have seen a lot of that and read a lot of that, and I've dealt with it uh, myself. Uh, in the literature, uh, what they seem to be doing is the usual spectrum of cocktails for opiate withdrawals, and with some variations. You know, you'll know, you see clonidine, you'll see hydroxyzine. Uh, you, I've even seen somebody putting somebody on naltrexone tablets for withdrawals. What I have done myself and seems to be quite successful, and I have a handful of cases is I basically manage the withdrawals the same way I manage opiate withdrawals. And that's actually to switch these guys depending if they need it on Suboxone products. Okay, buprenorphine products. Now that decision doesn't come lightly. If the patient is someone who has been dealing with opiates, now they've switched to Kratom, and they are trying to get off of Kratom, and given the right person and right situation, I treat it just like an opiate withdrawal situation, and I put them on a short-term of medication-assisted treatment, then I, uh, treatment, which is buprenorphine, and then I taper them down slowly, and, uh, and get them off of the Suboxone because now I have a medication that I understand what is in the medication, what it's going to do to you. I can manage the dosing and the taper and I know exactly what's going on. I've had, in fact, I had two brothers uh, that were admitted to one of our detoxes for Kratom withdrawals and Kratom abuse because they have been going back and forth between heroin, Kratom, some other drugs for a couple of years, two or three years. And what happened with them was I immediately put them in, uh, I put them into one of our programs. I started them on Suboxone. I think I kept them each third, three to five months. Uh, They got discharged home. And uh, we had a slow two, three month taper after that off of the Suboxone. And I think they're doing well. If it's a case where someone doesn't have a serious opiate history, and I feel that they don't need any kind of mu receptor medication-assisted treatment agonist-antagonist type, then what I do is I manage to withdraw, usually as an outpatient because it's actually pretty easy and it's not life-threatening. I will do uh, a variety of uh, things, Uh, uh, ibuprofen, uh, clonidine, uh, sleep medications that are safe again none of these are cookie cutter nor am i giving any medical advice my point here is they will be managed in the same way as acute opiate withdrawals most of the time nowadays for me that means getting someone right over to suboxone which takes a very short period of time and if i choose not to get them over on suboxone for more long-term medication assisted treatment management i'm going to do the usual uh, suspects that are used in opiate withdrawals, with close monitoring, and that seems to do the trick. Uh, The last question that I am going to answer is, what is a Kratom detox timeline? Uh, Difficult to answer and I'll tell you why. It's not a question, we don't have any experience with it. I'm going to extrapolate from that question to the question of, what is opiate withdrawal, detox timeline. And the answer to that is I tailor for every individual and there is absolutely no data that I can pull out and say this is what needs to be done for everybody. And that kind of treatment is one of the things that has gotten us into so much trouble with the substance abuse detox industry. Is like, you know, 30 day detox, this many months of IOP, PHP for those of you that know what that is its treatment protocols uh you know i take a patient you know you come in and you're a 25 year old male otherwise healthy with a 10-year history of opiate abuse and the last two those years have included a lot of kratom that has gone out of control now well what the uh, management for that and timeline for that uh, detox timeline I don't even use the term detox and the question presented to me is detox uh, what does that mean are you me asking me how long before you get through the acute pain management and withdrawal symptoms phase are you asking me when is the substance issue over okay it's so many questions and it's such a loaded question and I think it's so misunderstood by treatment providers uh parents families and and patients themselves you know if you're using kratom in that way that i just described you have a serious opiate abuse problem and i'm probably going to put you on medication assisted treatment and it's going to take some months maybe some years to get depending on what your life situation is psychosocial uh issues are Uh, your housing, your jail issues, your work history, your education, the other substances you have a problem with, well that guy's probably going to be put on medication assisted treatment and evaluated closely and regularly. Okay, if you are a housewife that has rheumatoid arthritis and you're 41 years old and you don't have any other medical issues and you come to me and you might need uh, Kratom Detox, or whatever you want to call it, but getting off kratom because all of a sudden it's very painful or you are abusing it. Well, I am going to get you off of that right away, have a discussion and decide if we should use buprenorphine type products. If not, I will treat you with the usual suspects uh, of cocktails that we use for opiate treatment and then get you off of that and then closely evaluate you. I think a more interesting question is uh, after the acute phase, which could take a few weeks, is there a long-term phase of withdrawal, just like opiate addiction? And I'm going to extrapolate and again speculate and make a an educated speculation is that it depends on your amount of use, frequency of use uh how many years you've been using what your general substance abuse problem is and in that case you know uh if it's that housewife that has rheumatoid arthritis and has been using this stuff for a few months and it's now having uh addiction issues or she's having withdrawal issues i think she'll be done and over with it in six weeks to two uh two months uh unless If through this route, we uncover or discover some other chronic substance abuse issues or dispositional propensity for substance abuse, and depending on her depression, her sleep, and so on, that's how we'll go about it. So, uh, that's a difficult question to answer, and I'm definitely not trying to be vague. More importantly, I'm trying to really point out the devil is in the details. There is plenty of data for us to figure out what is the right thing to do and there is also plenty lack of data to know where there has to be an educated guess and an attention to details of the patient to do it in a safe, harmless, benign and effective manner.